Sippers, welcome to this episode of the Tea With Me podcast with me, Shane Todd. It's a good time. It's a guest episode of the podcast. We're feeling good. We're feeling fine. Spoiler alert, this is actually coffee. The whole thing is a lie. The whole thing's a lie. Bring it down. Uh, before we get into it, um, I just got to ask, Dan, while you're twiddling your knob there, let me just ask. Let me just ask a serious question before we get into it, because it's hanging over me and this podcast recording. Let me just ask you this, and you just answer yes or no, and just be honest, right? Don't try and, like, mug me off or be funny. Just be honest, right? Kind of picked up a vibe, and I want to see if I got it right. Yes or no, do you think I text you too much over Christmas and New Year's? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's the vibe I got. <laughs> I realised I text him the like Patreon number target of like this we're going to hit by February three times and it was the same every time <laughs> he was not stoked he was like okay <laughs> what's an appropriate amount of like text per week is there an amount is there an amount or is it because here's where I think I went wrong I was saying instead of sending you like one WhatsApp with like loads of paragraphs in it I was sending you a separate one for every sentence you know what I mean? I think the fact that it was the week between Christmas and New Year, you could have just relaxed a little bit. Yeah. But then I, but you were working, you know what I mean? So it's not like you were like, oh, I'm going to take some time off with my, you know, my surfboard. Um, you know, I thought, because you were, I'm, I just want to say, I'm sorry. Came on too strong. I just thought you liked me. So, um, yeah, Sippers, it's a guest episode this week. Before we get into it, let me just plug Patreon, which is patreon.com slash tea with me podcast. We do the breakfast episode on there, which is called Breakfast Brew, every day, Monday to Friday. Comes out at about half nine in the morning. And it's a, it's a fun time. We just do it in my kitchen. Every episode's different. You get the bonus episode on a Monday as well. Uh, but this is the the big fat public episode, and it's a guest episode. My guest, well, let me try and say guest episode more times. My guest is Joe List. Joe um, is a stand up comedian based in New York. Um, I saw him in the Stan Comedy Club last time I was in New York, um, and I've been a, a fan for a while. He does a great podcast um, with Mark Normand, who's also coming on the podcast pretty soon, uh, called Tuesday with Stories, which is a really interesting podcast um, for stand-ups, because they just talk about like the kind of inner workings of, of um, what's going on for them stand-up-wise and the shows they're doing and that kind of thing. But also, if you're if you're not a stand-up, it's just very interesting and entertaining as well. Um, Joe also does his own podcast called Mindful Metal Jacket as well. Um, it's just a funny guy. He's given us his time for doing this. The one thing that stands out to me about Joe List is uh, whenever I was, we were doing the same night in, in New York and he was on the bill too, um, he asked me where I was from. And I said, oh, I'm, uh, you know, Ireland, Northern Ireland. Because um, you're used to, that's what you say, is like... Even there, I was like, no, that's the only place where you can't just say one place. You've got to give all the options just in case somebody gets a little bit offended. Like Northern Ireland, North of Ireland, the UK, Britain era. You know, you just got to give all the eventualities. Um, I said Northern Ireland and he was like, okay. And, and, and then said that he had some sort of interest in the troubles. He's like, I find that very interesting. And like, maybe done a bit of reading of it. So that's something I had to talk to him about on the podcast and stand up and loads of other things as well. Very, very, very nice gentleman. He's got a nice face. He's Joe List. This is the Tea With Me episode with my man Joe List. Joe, 
Joe, my number one question for people when they come on the podcast is, do you drink tea? Maybe you could tell me a little bit about your interpretation of, of tea. And uh, yeah, I'd just love to know all, all about I I drink tea. I am drinking tea currently right now, and this is my second cup of the day. This is a homemade cup in a Starbucks cup. I start every day by going to Starbucks and getting an Emperor's Clouds tea, which is a green tea. And um, I drink three or four, sometimes five cups of tea a day. I'm a big tea guy. Now, have you ever gone sort of traditional English breakfast type tea, like the Irish tea we would have? Uh, I... I've been to, uh, I've done that uh, comedy, the Vodafone Festival in uh, Dublin a couple times. And um, like in all the green rooms there, they only have um, just regular black tea. So that I drank a lot of black tea when I was in Ireland. Um, I'll, um, yeah, I'll drink black tea if that's the option. Uh, It's a lot more caffeine. So I need to be eating something uh, with it. But I, I do enjoy pretty much any tea. I like a hot beverage, any like real tea. I like a black tea, a green tea, a white tea, like chamomile tea, chamomile, as you say over there. But any kind of, uh, anything fruit I don't do. If it's like a mango, yeah, fuck whatever, the, whatever the fuck, I, I can't do that. But mostly I'm a green tea guy. I mean, you've got to be really careful. I mean, obviously in New York, you can definitely order an Emperor's Clouds, whatever that is. But in Dublin, if you ask for Emperor's Clouds, you're definitely going to get drugs. One hundred percent. No, I know. I, people, when I go to Starbucks, I order Emperor's. It's actually called Emperor's Clouds and Mist is the official Excellent. name. And people are like, "What? What the fuck did you just order?" And I'm like, <laughs> "It's green tea. I got a green tea with I don't know shades of something. I'm sure there's some kind of lemongrass or some shit in there." So there's there's something uh, the way you have filled up your own tea in a Starbucks cup. Something very very rewarding about that where you feel like in a way you're like beating the system it feels a little bit uh it's a bit rebellious and you shouldn't be doing it yeah well i i like i mean i have like ocd and shit like the the folds in the uh the little sleeve thing it fits into the folds of my fingers like it just feels nice and um it also keeps it warm like drinking out of a teacup which which you're doing or a coffee cup i find it it cools down too fast like i tried to do a joke about this a long time ago but nobody gives a shit about tea except this is is the platform (laughs) (laughs) great well i always say like i love tea except for the first and last sip of tea are a nightmare like because the first sip you're like oh my god am i gonna burn my face off and then the last one is just shit like you're just drinking like you know it's now like lukewarm and at the bottom is always has like you know residue it's just like it's just nasty so um, I, I like drinking out of a coffee cup, like a like a Starbucks cup when I can. Joe, if I was in the crowd and you, you did that material for the first time, you would still be doing that material based on my reaction 100%. I would have <laughs> given you something for that, definitely. I, um, I appreciate it. You and I, uh, you won't remember this, you and I met, I, I did the stand, I did some gigs in the stand, um, like last year, like very early last year. And that was my first time performing in, in New York. And uh, I was just like blown away by the standard of comedy and got to like hang out and talk to some people like you and Mark, you do the Tuesday with stories with, um, just very briefly, like we're introduced to each other and you asked me where I was from. I said, Oh, I'm from like Ireland, Northern Ireland, Belfast. I mean, we presume no one like knows anything about us. And then you 
sort of said that you had a little bit of an interest in the troubles. And honestly, when you said that, I felt like crying, tears of joy. And I phoned people back home and I was like, there is a guy in America that knows us. <laughs> it, was a um, big, it was a beautiful moment. Oh, thanks. Yeah, I think I was reading Say Nothing at the time. The Patrick uh, Keefe or Patrick O'Keefe. I can't remember his name. I think it's Patrick Keefe or O'Keefe. But uh, yeah, he wrote a book called Say Nothing. And uh, it's one of the, it's maybe my favorite book ever. And I think I was in the middle of it. So I wanted to talk about it with anybody um, that would talk about it. And, you know, my, I have uh, some Irish heritage or whatever, which I feel like people in Ireland never want to hear about Americans talking about their Irish heritage. But no, I, I think, I think you can, like, I, I would have not dismissed that for a long time. But like, yeah, like you say, you do hear a lot of that. And then I went to um, America for St. Patrick's Day like two years ago. And uh, I, Manhattan nearly turned into a river with the tears. I was crying. I was like, these people love it. They're, they are really into it. Like they're really going for it. Um, and it, it was a good time. But yeah, saying nothing is a very apt title for a book about that because that, that is the code here. Like literally, you probably thought it was a bit weird that night because you asked me about the troubles and I think I just left the club because you can't, like, you can't really say anything about it. You know, it's one of those things where, you know, you're talking about a, a period of decades and decades of like of bloodshed and it's still kind of like a bit of a thing here. And, uh, and it's so weird that to me that anybody from outside of here would know anything about it and be reading about it. And I was just so proud that you knew about all the bloody warfare that we'd had. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it's I mean, it's a fascinating um thing and now i feel like like yesterday's events in the states sort of reminded me of, of that of of the book and it feels like well thank it feels you very, very much similar. For <laughs> yeah it, it feels it feels uh very similar in that it's you know it obviously it, it didn't get as uh dramatic or, or deadly or not yet anyways but it, it felt you know just people not in uniform just people regular like regular people um you know, engaging in some kind of uh, battle. So, yeah, I've always been uh, fascinated by it. And that book is just amazing. Like, there's so many stories in that book that you're like, this should be a movie. This could be a movie. Just this one scene could be a movie. Um, and I've always been uh, interested. In, I mean, I'm from the Boston area, and I don't know if you've spent time in Boston. I probably asked yeah, you about yeah. it when we, we saw each other. Like, But um, that was something I was struck by when I first went to ireland the first time is like oh we nailed irish pubs like i was like i'm gonna go to an authentic irish bar and aside from the age and maybe this is gonna be uh, people will hate me in in ireland for saying this but aside from the, the amount of time it's been around i'm like oh we kind of nailed it which i guess makes sense because the irish bars were started by irish immigrants so but i'm like yeah th th this is not that unlike bars in dublin are not that unlike bars in south boston to me yeah, especially in the areas you would have been in Dublin, probably if like people were bringing you there for the first time, they are areas that will have those quintessentially Irish bars that are, you know, a lot of kind of street signs. Uh, you've got the, the traditional music. And like, yeah, when I'm in America, I w people from here, we always like end up in Irish bars and everything's great. And you're like, this does remind me of home. And then one person says uh, Galway instead of Galway and it just ruins your night. Like, I, can't, I can't deal with this. But it's interesting you say about like the events that are happening in, in your country at the minute. Like that is really, that is a Tuesday to us. You know what I mean? Like that's kind of like we think, we, we, we like look at that like it's not really that big of a thing because we had a, 
a similar incident. Our, our government buildings were nearly taken over like 10 years ago by, by this guy who's like quite a famous, uh, he was in a paramilitary, uh, he's been in jail for a long time. They let him out and then he tried to like get into government buildings with a bomb, but he got stuck in the revolving door um, in the front. And I mean, it was really just, it was tough to watch on a lot of levels because like the guy had planned this for a long time. And honestly, the revolving door really threw him off and a security guard just put his foot in the revolving door and the guy was just stuck. Like it was really demeaning. Like he was just stuck. And of course, this is all caught on camera and a, a female security, a very tough female security guard just like twatted him on the head with a bat. And he was just kind of, I mean, it's an iconic image of this guy who like thinks he's, you know, Rambo who's just, just stuck in a, a middle-aged man just suspended in a revolving door. So like when we see the thing with, with you guys with Capitol Hill, like that's, yeah, that doesn't really stand out to people in, in Northern Ireland too much. Yeah, I guess you you always think, I mean, in this country, uh, certainly we're, we're, we're taught and, and, and sort of um, it's beaten into us that we're number one and we're the shining city on a hill and American exceptionalism and all this stuff. So it, it did feel very much like, oh, this is something we watch in another country. Um, and it feels like it looked to me like, you know, um, the American embassy being taken in Iran in the 70s. You know, it was like this is insanity. So I think in America, everyone kind of holds us as like, we're this, we're America. We don't do that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, yeah, uh, yeah. And, and now it's just like, you know, we're becoming a, a joke, it feels like to me in a lot of ways. I mean, I'm still glad I live here. I'm not moving, but uh, but I'm thinking about it. <laughs> um, you know yeah, I mean? fr from the outside in, like it seems like so many stand-ups in America that live in kind of the what I would have thought were the comedy hotspots of, of New York and LA. Everybody seems to be moving out to you know moving down south, moving to like totally totally different places, and it's crazy how something that seems so solid. Like I've been to LA a couple, probably slightly more times in New York just to watch shows and do some shows like open mics and things. And when you watch even the Comedy Store documentary that was just on TV for us, like last week, you think, like, well, that's never going to go away. But, I mean, in these times, it shows you that I don't think stand-up in L.A. Will, uh, will go away, but it can have the rug taken out from it pretty quick if a lot of big comedians decide to just leave. Yeah, no, it's interesting. And, and uh, I've been talking about that. It, it's weird because in New York, you know, rents are so high, cost of living is so high. And during pandemic here with like the comedy cellar, which to me is like the greatest comedy venue ever, ever. Uh, and they were doing like eight or nine shows a night, like on a Tuesday. It was crazy. Uh, everything sold out. And so now with pandemic, it's like that's slowed down and tourism is slowed down till who knows when. And people are going to, you know, stay home and stuff. And you start to go and I'm paying people are paying $3,000 a month in rent. I mean, I tell, I, I tell people, my family, what I pay for rent and they like, they're like, they think I'm kidding. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, and not to mention, you know, the subway sucks and it's crowded and all this stuff. So, um, and I've been doing stand up for 20 years and on the road. So you do get older and you're like, boy, I wouldn't mind a yard. That seems like fun. A, a driveway, um, a place to park, a supermarket with, that you can't touch both aisles with at the same time, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So it definitely um, makes you think a little bit about going other places. And from what I understand in California, 
um, like their taxes are insanely high, like that you can save tons and tons of money by, you know, Joe Rogan just went to Texas and a few other, com- a bunch of comics have moved to Nashville. Um, so yeah, it's, it's changes in the air, I guess. I mean, here is so small that that would never really work. I mean, I could move to a totally different town or city, but it'd still be within like 30 minutes drive of the capital. Like we don't, that, that's the good thing though. When, like you say about like, you would like a yard. You can be in like where I live is such a small place. You can be in our capital city in Belfast, and then quite literally ten minutes later, you could be in like the green countryside. Yeah, that seems that's that's pretty great. I mean, and how far is Dublin from Belfast? Is that what five hours, four hours? Oh, like ninety minutes. (laughs) Honestly, like yeah. I mean, you it, it everything is like within driving distance to the point where. We used to like when I started gigging, you would like drive to Dublin to do a show, you do a gig down there, and then you might come back and get like a one of the later gigs in Belfast. It, it, oh. it everything is so it's so small, it's so close together, uh, which some people love and some people hate because if you live in a, a town or a village, like everybody knows everybody's business, one of those kind of like it's it's like three degrees of separation here with everyone. Interesting. So now I'm like interviewing you, but has has the border crossing changed yet or it is changed? Because I, I know the, the situation with the EU, is there going to be, because I know that was something people were worried about now is if, you know, there's now a border crossing, you're getting stopped and ID, that could flare things up a little bit between the two countries. I think the thing is, like Northern Ireland especially, is like a real special case with Brexit in that we're on the island of Ireland, but we're technically part of Great Britain. So it, it puts you in a very strange position. But we, I don't think we really know what's going on as a, as a people. And we probably like left it too late to ask, you know, people in England or people in Ireland, like, what's the deal with this? So we, we all pretend we understand what Brexit is and what it means. But like us and like our politicians, like we have, we have apps. I think we're just trying to see who's going to give us like better stuff out of the European Union. Or, or or the UK, uh, but the thing with the border is, there there is like thousands of border crossings here, so they could never properly bring in a border because like there's like you could just go to your great uncle's garden and he will have a border crossing, right like, there. But yeah, I think a border would would cause like loads loads of tension, and there's a sea border now which people are giving off. I mean, I don't know why people are giving off that because. It's not applicable really to any. No one's getting to Dublin from Belfast via boat. Um, but like, it just takes the slightest thing here for politics to really kick off. Like, our newspapers, we could put an article up saying you and I have done this podcast on like one of the local newspaper Facebook pages, and it would take like three comments before it descends into utter sectarian chaos, <laughs> not based on anything we've talked about. Right. Yeah. That's yeah. That's not unlike here also, or just the internet in general which i do have some which is scary to me but i do have some thing of like i'll watch documentaries and you're kind of like oh i think it's always been like that it's just now we can see everybody's dialogue i forget what i was watching i don't know it was some kind of maybe it was a cult thing or some other thing but you know you have all these people screaming at each other and you're like oh okay this has always been like that it's just now it's happening online so it's a little more um, clear for everyone to read. So it feels a little more like we're deteriorating. And I think, you know, maybe we are. I don't know. I have yeah, some hope. And we've nowhere to go. We're, you've nowhere to really turn away and look at something else because the same thing is just happening on 
on Facebook, on Twitter, or or wherever, ev- everything is like a debate now. Like, cause and cause we're at home, there's no there's no real escape from it. What the hell's going on with your balls? Let me ask you that right now. Do me a favor, right? Take your belt off. Um, <laughs> no, this could get weird. Oh, if by the way, this is only like if you're like over 18, in fact, even like 18, 19, weird for me to be asking you to do this, if you're over 25, take your jeans off wherever you're listening to this podcast, take your pants off too, look down, and tell me what you're looking at, if you're looking at, uh, you know, streamlined hair, if you're looking at a tight cut, keep going, I'm sure you use this product anyway, but if you take your trousers and pants off, wherever you listen to this podcast, and in, you know, your father-in-law's house, on a train, in a field, wherever you're doing it, and you see, you know, hair that you can run your hands through, you're cancelled for 2021, you're cancelled. What you need to do is go to manscaped.com. They're bringing sexy back for 2021. We're all going, like, you know those guys who are doing those weird picky blinder skin fades at the side? We want to continue that the whole way down. You know, you got to have that picky blinder pubic hair, and I've always said that. I've always said that. It's got to be, down there you want to be more... Tommy Shelby than I don't know if there's any other famous Shelbys. Tommy Shelby or Tommy You wanna to be more Tommy Shelby than Tommy Robinson? <laughs> Tommy Robinson? Tommy Cooper, yeah. <laughs> Tommy Cooper and Tommy Robinson, the boys. Um yeah. Well yeah, Tommy Cooper did have like under that fucking fez that he wore, he did have like straggly kind of hair. Very sly when he died on stage. People thought it was part of the act. <laughs> How much would you hate that? Well you wouldn't know because you're dead, but like I'm just saying if he I don't know what happens after you die, and bear in mind this is still the sponsor read, but if you come out of your own body and you're like looking down at yourself as a ghost, you must be ripping because you're lying there dead and everyone's like, Oh Tommy <laughs> Classic routine. They're like, No, he's dead. And they're like, Oh yeah <laughs> That Tommy, he's a boy and the, the guy's like, No, I'm a I'm a genuine doctor. There is no pulse. Everyone's like, Oh Tommy Three hours later. Pronounced dead. Ah, We're in the morgue. Oh, this is a very interactive sketch. <laughs> he's been dead for 17 years. No, he's not. It's a long sketch from Tommy. Anyway, manscaped.com. You get the lawnmower 3.0. What is the lawnmower 3.0? Oh, I use the lawnmower 2.0. Oh, nerd virgin. <laughs> the lawnmower 3.0 is 100% where it's at. It's a it's a trimmer for your downstairs. You know what I mean? Uh, you go to manscaped.com, look at all their products. They got they got razor and because this this is 2021, this is what we do. We shave ourselves down there. Not like each other. We shave we shave yourself. Uh, they've got ball cleanser, ball wipes, weed whackers for shaving your hair, your ear set out your your ears and your nose. It's just a good time. And if I haven't sold it to you yet, the Lumber 3.0 has a wee light on it, and things are always more fun when they've got a wee light on them. You know? So manscaped.com, use the code tea with me, all one word, tea with me, for 20% off and free shipping. I, I want to talk to you a, a lot about stand-up as well, but you mentioned you had like you had Irish family, you had a little bit of background here. Do you, have you looked much into that? Like, do you know a lot about it? No, it's funny. So 
I, um, my, my grandfather, his, there's my, my grandmother, my father's mother, I believe, I, I don't know if, I think her parents were from Ireland. She was born in the States, but she might have been born in Ireland. I'm not 100% sure. And then my grandfather, my father's father, his last name is, he's List. And he told me since I was a kid that I, I never looked into it other than just from him, but that, you know, a lot of Germans, List is a German name, but a lot of Germans went West in whatever century. So he was always like, yeah, our name is German, but there was several generations in Ireland. And I never looked into it. I always just went, okay, great. Okay. So there's several generations in Ireland. And then I wondered if like, you know, he was a kid in the forties. If he just went, no, 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 I'm not German. We're Irish. I swear to God, it's entirely possible that he had heard, you know, Germans migrated to Ireland in whatever century. And he went with that story. Um, but, um, you know, he had all the shamrocks and all the thing and, and he was proud of his Irish heritage. And so was my grandmother. Um, but no, I never really looked into it. And it's funny because I, I tried to do, somebody got me a 23andMe thing and I haven't used it, but then I tried doing research. But if you look up surname or last name list, it just gives you a list of names. My, my last name is list, L-I-S-T, and it's like impossible to Google. I tried for so long and I was getting like angry because it was just giving me lists of last names. It's, it sounds like your grandfather has every base covered. Yeah, I mean, that's <laughs> what, it, that's what it, it, it felt like. But um, and my grandmother is, is Tui, and then my mother on my mother's side, my grandmother on my mother's side is a McKinnon, MC McKinnon. Um, she rapped? What's that? She rapped? Yeah, she, she's, um, <laughs> she's MC uh, McKinnon, um, the hip-hop artist, famous hip-hop artist from, um, from, I tried to think of an Irish town, I couldn't think of one. Yeah, I mean, the thing is, there is Irish rap, and I think it would, it would really interest you. It's it's worth having a little bit of a YouTube look through some some uh, some Irish rappers. Oh, maybe I'll I'll check it out after this. But but anyways, so I don't know that much of um, where they're from and all that. But I do know that um, my family um, is 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 Catholic and doesn't talk much about anything or show any affection, and they all drink and and sing and they're loud. So we all have that going. Checks out. Yeah. <laughs> certainly <laughs> if it looks like it and sounds like it I'm, I'm going with it but um yeah there's definitely and, a lot of that not a lot of emotion not a lot of hugging not a lot of um just a lot of there's a you know saying i don't know if it, it started there but everyone in boston says it is irish alzheimer's you forget everything but the grudge is that a term yeah. you guys use over there <laughs> no but i like it <laughs> um, uh, yeah I, I i spent a couple of days in boston um early last year um, and 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 did a did a show, but it was like a a very 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 small tour show where it was just people from home that kind of happened to live in Boston that came to it, and uh, and it was great. I walked around. Is there like a big indoor market in Boston? Uh, Faneuil um, Hall, maybe. Yes, yeah, um, with loads of different like food stands and that kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, yeah, yep. I did that. Uh, just had a little walk around the around the city, and it was uh, it was great. The Boston, Chicago, Philadelphia. And then, and then New York, but like those places, like um, Boston and Philly, especially, it do, like although there is a big Irish population, it does feel a lot more homelier to me than certainly like the West Coast and New York. Even though I like those places, there is like a homely, friendly type thing in in Boston, especially. I find it. 
Yeah, definitely. No, New England, um, that area is 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 so much like that. There's so much warmth, and um, I do think a lot because there's so much um, English and Irish um, heritage. Obviously, it's like that was kind of the base. I mean, it's it's New England, and um, you know, Boston is such an Irish town. So you do have a lot of those like you know, I think of like big sweaters and tea drinking and, and beer drinking and, and pubs and huge families and family gatherings. And there's a lot of, you know, let's get together and, and sing and watch music and be like a fireplace. It definitely feels a lot of those um, homey family qualities that you just, I just don't see. Maybe it's because I'm from there, but I just yeah. don't feel in the Midwest uh, or down South. Like, you know, New Mexico and Arizona just do not feel as warm and welcoming to me as um, New England. But maybe pe people that are from there might hear that and be like, what are you insane? Everyone in Boston's racist assholes. What are you crazy? <laughs> so a, a lot of that is just um, my own experience and preference, I guess. Um, Joe, I, I, you, my manager is called Joe and looks very, very, very like you. Like very, oh. very like you. And there was a moment a couple of minutes ago where I called you Joe but thought, oh no, I've called you my manager's name, Joe, but then he is also called Joe. So that's confusing, but just to let you know, you look a lot like my manager who is also called Joe. Yeah, he sounds like a sexy man. I should have, I haven't yeah. showered. This is like kind of a bedhead. I had something to do before this. So I usually look a lot better than this, folks. Yeah, no, it's all good. Um, Joe, let me ask you about, about how you got into stand-up because I, I um, started listening to your podcast about maybe like a, about, about a year ago. And um, it's so good for just having a little bit of an insight into uh, what it's like being a, being a stand-up in, in such a comedy city like, like New York. And um, yeah, absolutely great podcast. But um, I don't know much about kind of your journey into stand-up and how you got started. Did you get started in Boston or was it when you, when you moved to New York? No. So I, I started in Boston. Yeah, I started in October of 2000. I graduated high school in like June of 2000. And um, yeah, it's all I wanted to do was to be a stand-up. And then for like a few months, I just kind of was trying to get up the, A, like the, the balls to go do it, but also like, as you know, I like, I don't know what it's like there, but like when you start doing stand-up, you're like, I don't even know where to go. And now it's a little easier, I think, because you have the internet and yeah. podcasts or whatever. Yeah. But at the time I was just like, I don't know, where do I even go to say, hey, I'm a, I'd like to be a comedian. And I grew up um, on the suburbs, about 35 minutes south of Boston. I took the train in and I just was aimlessly walking around. And I found this, I just saw next to Fenway Park, a sign that said open mic Wednesday at this place called Chops Lounge, which is like a kind of a, a Chinese restaurant slash dive hotel. And I was like, this is it. Okay. I found the sign. And I like wrote it down on a pen and paper and then went into like, the phone book and called them and it was like an Asian restaurant and they were like, you know, I don't want to offend anyone, but they were like, it was like, you know what I mean? I know it's very not cool to do, but that's what it's, I was just, you know, Asian. I'm like, I have no idea what's happening. And I was like, all right, I'll just show up. I'll just go there. And I went there and it was like the truest open mic. It was this guy named called Larry Lee Lewis. And, um, he was like, you want to go first? And I was like, oh, okay, sure. I don't know. And um, I ended up getting bumped by some like crazy person. It was like a, a real open mic where there was just actual crazy people and yeah. maniacs going up and a few comics. 
And I went up and did three minutes. And then afterwards, this guy, Larry Lee Lewis, he gave me his card and was like, that was great. That was great, man. And he's like, you got to come back. Come back next Wednesday. And I felt like, okay, I'm in. I'm in show business. I'm in comedy. <laughs> and then I started going every Wednesday and doing three minutes. And this is like a theme in my life. I was like, perfect. I'm doing it. I, it, I didn't occur to me to like do another place. Yeah, and you're like, so, you're in. Yeah. So the first year I did comedy, I did like there was 52 weeks in the year and I think I did 50 sets every Wednesday. And it wasn't until like year two that a guy, uh, an older comic was like, how come I never see you any of the other places? And I was like, what other places? And then that it grew from there where I started going, there's a, there's an open mic here and there's this place here. And I was underage at the time, it, you know, drinking age is 21 here. So I, a lot of places I couldn't get into cause I was a teenager. Um, but basically, that was it. I started doing all these open mics. And eventually, this guy named Ed Regal, who had a bar called the Emerald Isle, ironically, in, in Dorchester. And he said, hey, I'll, I'll, I have a show on Saturday. And then I, he's like, do you want to do it? And I did it. And he handed me like 25 bucks afterwards. And of course, I was like, oh, you don't have to give me money. And it was really helpful because he was like, this is a brutal, really difficult business. Anytime anybody offers you any amount of money, you take it. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you got it. And so, um, <laughs> so basically that was it now, but I remember leaving there being like, all right, I'm a professional comedian now. And that was probably two and a half years in and, and it progressed from there. And um, what's happened to Larry Lindner since? Uh, I don't know where Larry is. He was doing, so he did an act, he played piano and did old jokes. They were stolen. The only joke of his that was original that I thought was hilarious was he said, I got, I know a thousand jokes all told, all told by somebody else. <laughs> and he did like, he did Milton Burrell jokes and Rickles jo and Dangerfield jokes. You know, I'm trying to get down to my original weight, eight pounds, three ounces. But he was like a middle-aged pothead, you know, old. I mean, to me, he was old at the time. He was probably, looking back, he was probably like 49 or something. Right. Um, but uh, I don't know where he is. I, I don't know if he's still working or not, or if he's alive. I hope he's alive, but. Yeah, I'm not sure. And what's the what's the kind of what's the current status of of stand up where you are? Because the, the thing I find amazing about New York, I mean, we don't we literally don't have in this country like a weekend club. You can you can do like Monday to Thursday, but like if you're lucky, there's some of us that get to do like three or four shows a week sometimes. So the thing that was crazy about New York is you guys were doing five spots a night maybe sometimes more or a little bit less so has everything kind of just totally stopped are you still able to do the likes of those rooftop shows you that were going on or what how is, how is it at the minute yeah so it's a, it's it's a little weird and there's different things available right now in new york for a while indoor dining was available and a couple places were kind of doing shows kind of you know quietly saying oh it's dinner but there's a guy talking because we weren't supposed to do shows but those have kind of shut down now because there's no indoor dining any anymore but there are a couple outdoor rooftop shows with little heaters um i haven't done one in a few weeks i'm doing one next week so there's a couple but i mean you know it's cold i mean it's 25 degrees outside so there's a few shows here and there and then some clubs are open. Like some people, like you listen to my podcast, like Mark Norman, he's, he's been working. He does gigs. I think they're, you know, half capacity, some of these clubs. And as I'm sure you guys are 
aware. Like there's a lot of parts of this country that just don't give a shit about COVID or don't believe in COVID. So yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I don't know anything about Arizona, but it seems to me like they're not stopping anything. Yeah, exactly. There. I think that's where Mark is ironically. Um, but <laughs> yeah. yeah, so some people are working during the summer. It was nice because there was outdoor gigs everywhere and it was obviously warm and nice out. So there was a lot of shows during that. Um, but right now, if you want to work, you can work, but it's half capacity. People have to wear masks and there's a lot of protocols. Um, so I've been taking this time to just not do it. Like I, I was doing, like you said, so many shows a night on the road and working for 20 years. So right now I'm like, I'm just kind of enjoying being a podcaster and trying to uh, kind of embrace the break. And, and my thought is, it will go back to normal or normal-ish where we can go on the road and work every night and every weekend. But hopefully, knock on wood, we're never going to go back to a period like this where it's like, hey, please don't work. Yeah, yeah. So if I can feel like I'm doing service to society by not working while also kind of taking a break, I'm like, great, this is perfect. And I, I don't know about you, but it was, it, it, obviously, we can't gig as much, as much as somewhere like New York, but you, know, you gig as much as possible and kind of do this full time and it's it's the first time in about 13 years that I've not done stand-up regularly so it was the first time I'd ever really had a chance to kind of sit down and look at my act a little bit and analyze it a bit more because you're constantly just on the go trying to get new material that kind of thing and this was the first time where I was I was able to take a step back from it and the shows like you say we had that thing where like yeah if there was food on you got to do a show I had a, a, a nice little run for about a week or two when that was allowed. And I think they were some of like the best shows because for the first time I was able to, to start, just, just tweak a couple of things. And, you know, it was the novelty of getting to do stand up again. The adrenaline was at that good level where it's like, I've missed doing this, but I'm so happy to be doing it. So do you think that this will have for better or worse in any way changed you as a, as a comedian? I think that there's definitely a lot of things that have happened during this that I want to take into back into um, stand up when we start again, because I kind of had that thought of like, I never took more than like seven days off in a row in 20 yeah. years. And that was only maybe once a year, once every, uh, every once in a while. And like, I'd be like, I'll take tonight. I'm taking Monday off and then I'm back. I got to do three sets Tuesday to make up for Monday. And now it's like a little more, I realize like, uh, you could take several nights off and and be fine. So I definitely, and there's a lot of shows I would do at one in the morning. I have a set at 1.15 a.m. at the Comedy Cellar. And I'm like, I don't want to be out till two o'clock in the morning anymore, which I felt that way before this shutdown. But I was too afraid to kind of say that because I was afraid of losing whatever. So there's definitely a lot uh, that that's that's helped me that I want to, take with me moving forward of like time off and time away from stand-up but I, I also at the same time I do I do miss it and I love podcasting and making videos or doing whatever other ways to be creative but there really is nothing that compares to the feeling of like finishing a set and especially when it goes well even if it goes bad I still feel great after doing stand-up yeah, so I definitely miss that and then doing like a meet and greet after the show where it's such a unique opportunity to live a life where like you can stand at the bar and have like 50 people be like you're great that yeah. was great you know what i mean there's not that many jobs like that so um i definitely miss that a lot but 
Yeah, I think I think definitely taking it easy, but working finding the balance is something I want to do moving forward. Um, something I ask everyone has has this kind of period of of reflection and not being able to do as much as you did. Um, has it made you like realize any like ambitions that were lying under the surface of like a project you'd really love to do, even if it's something totally different to to the sort of thing you normally would? Like, is there a, something you'd like to write or I, I don't know. I, I feel like everyone has one project that's kind of come out of them a little bit more. Yeah, definitely. So it's, it's hard. I get mad at myself because I started writing a script when this happened and I got really well into it, like a hundred pages in or something, not a hundred pages. I was like 85 pages in and I had a couple of people read it and they were really into it. And then they gave me notes and then it just felt so daunting to finish. And I put it aside and haven't, finished it so right now i'm in that mode of like hating myself for not finishing it but that's something and i definitely have been you know shooting some more videos and 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 a couple sketches and trying to do something like that and i've been trying to learn guitar which is something i always wanted to do and never felt like i could do but so i've been kind of fucking around on the guitar a little bit and trying to do some more video stuff and i was always really into photography too and and, and next week i'm meeting up with a friend of mine who's a photographer to have him show me a few things on a camera so i'm like you know i'm trying to find other ways to be sort of artistic and i've been reading a lot which has been nice you know re- like i i always think that i am a reader in general but really when it comes down to it i don't think i've read a book apart from being on holidays in maybe like six seven years and that really that makes me feel uncomfortable i'm like i've got to read something so uh, i think i'm going i mean there was a period where i was big big harry potter guy and then I just I dropped off when the really big one came out. I don't know if you're into Harry Potter, but when I think it was Order of the Phoenix came out, a lot of people like me just dropped out. We were like, I can't commit to a book this size. So I think my challenge is is going to be get back into that. Yeah, let's you read and I'll 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 learn guitar and then uh, we'll reconvene. I'll play a song while you uh, read. <laughs> Pug, I mean, do you feel like I think podcasting more than I thought would fills the void? a little bit more you know it you know speaking to other comedians and obviously podcast is a good way to you're not really trying material but if you have a thought during a podcast and you're like oh that could be a little bit of material um i think podcasting has become it was obviously so big beforehand but i think to to comedians it, it it's such an important such an important outlet um have you noticed that like your podcast um you think there's been like a big jump up since this since lockdown started yeah i think so it's definitely grown well also during pandemic i do a podcast with mark norman like we've both released specials that did really well and uh mark has gone and done rogan and and i did marin so like we've both been doing a lot of stuff to kind of to push it so it's definitely grown during that um during this time for sure um and it is it is really fun but i I just beat myself up where i'm like you know in my mind i'm like all right i'm still creating but i'm like you're a podcaster you never wanted to be a podcaster you piece of shit what is this you're just talking about you know whatever um so a lot of it that is just self hatred self doubt and all that stuff like ah you're a fraud we we all have that a little bit to some degree i think yeah um yeah i think it's just it's a great thing to keep keep going with. And whenever you were, whenever you guys were still doing shows, I know Mark, you said it's, it's still doing shows. Um, and he's coming on this podcast in the next couple of weeks too. But, um, you know, whenever you were doing the outdoor shows and, and that kind of thing, 
that was a period where, where nothing was happening here. So it was so great as a comedian listening to that because I'm kind of able to take some enjoyment in hearing about you guys' gigs and the other comedy podcasts I listen to. Um, it's just really interesting to hear that like something is something is happening. Uh, but I, I mean, I don't know. I, it, it's made me want to travel with stand up a lot more and go to places that I that I that have never been to. Have, have you ever done Australia? No, it's funny you bring that up. I was supposed to be in Australia like two weeks uh, after we shut down. I think I was going there April 7th through the 15th or something like that. I was doing the Melbourne Comedy Festival, which took me like years to book. They got, the woman saw me and I performed for her. And then they were like, well, we're, we're booked this year and all this stuff. And it was this long process. And I was so thrilled to finally make it happen. And I was like, 10 days away from go or whatever it was, maybe two weeks away from going when everything shut down. So hopefully I can re redo that, but no, I've never, I've never been over there, but um, that's what I miss a lot is especially going um, to the UK and to Ireland. I've gotten to do Paris and Israel, like going, being able to travel for me to other countries to perform has been like a, a thrill. And I definitely miss that. When you performed in Paris, did you by any chance do? Did you do a gig for a guy called Sebastian? Guy ran runs a gig in like a loft. Yeah, yeah, I New did. York, New York comedy night. Yeah, I did. Well, I opened for Louis C.K. there a couple times, but the most recent one, a guy Sebastian, I think, was yeah, glasses. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've done that gig. That's a that's a real fun gig because it's nice. He gets a, a little bit of a crowd in, and you just think like, I'm this is in Paris. Yeah, yeah something just so incredible about that yeah no it's it's great i mean for me too it's like anytime comedy brings me to like these really cool places i'm like it gives you that feeling of like this is insane this is amazing yeah uh yeah i thought the last time i did that paris gig for him uh i i build it as like you know it's it's part of the tour but it like it, it obviously was not like a tour show uh, but it was just so I could say it's an international tour. And at the end of the show, like the show got, it was really nice. I brought a friend over, he opened, um, we had a nice time. We went to see Dunkirk uh, earlier in the day, which was a terrible idea because it's obviously such a bleak film and we just felt bad that we we couldn't help, you know, we couldn't help the guys get off Dunkirk Beach in any way. And, um, and then we did that gig and it wasn't until like a couple of weeks later where I was like, this is great. But at, at the gig I said at the end, I was like, um, so like, who's from home? You know, and there's just like a guy, just a guy. And he was the one that didn't really enjoy it. You know, you know, sometimes I, I focus in on the one person who's like indifferent or really not into it. Sure, he was the, the only, the only guy who intentionally came to see it. That's, uh, that's classic. Yeah. It's my dad, <laughs> <laughs> but it just, uh, yeah, it's just a good time. And it's so, I mean, I know, I know you can go to so many different States and cities, but, I don't think people like me take advantage of how easy it is for us to go to different cities in Europe. You know, you're talking like a couple, by the time it takes you to get to maybe another state, we can be in a totally different country. Yeah, that's what's always been fascinating to me about um, Europe because Europe is like, it's like the United States to me. Like you can, you go from Paris to uh, uh, whatever, you know, frankfurt or or or, you know uh, milan or whatever it's like the same distance to michigan here you know it's it's strange and then we thought it was going to be because of brexit we thought it was going to be really difficult but then like 
well, I've, I've always had an Irish passport, so it means you can travel on an EU passport, so it shouldn't get more difficult. Um, but yeah, it's one of those things where once lockdown happened, I was like, I was just about to do all these things, but I probably wouldn't have. You know, a lot of things I was like, I'll do that down the line, but now I, I want to make sure that I really do do these things, starting with the Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, no, it's definitely... Um it definitely gives you a lot of perspective of like, okay, this is more important than that. Let me try to get this done. Uh, yeah. And, for sure. And having other things going on, like not spending so much time gigging and taking a little bit of time off here or there. That's where the, for me, that's where the material comes from. You know, that's where you, you witness things that you wouldn't, if you were waiting to go on at a comedy club or hanging out in the same place. Yeah, completely. You have to live some life or otherwise all your bits are just going to be, isn't it crazy where the waitress spills a drink, folks? You know, you just over there, yeah. Yeah, yeah, you do have to go live some yeah. life for sure. Yeah. Um, Joe, I really appreciate you uh, you doing the podcast. You mentioned um, you know, having a special out. The great thing is you've got a special on YouTube, which is brilliant because people can just go and see it. Same with Mark and uh, guys like Sam, Sam Morrill. Sam Morrill or Sam Morrill? Uh, I say Sam Morrill. I think he says Morrill, but people say Morrill and it's it's fine, but I think it's, I've been saying Sam Morrill and I'm one of his closest friends. So I'll I think Morrill. it's Morrill. I'll go yeah. Morrill. Um, but the great thing is so many people just put, are putting stuff on YouTube, you know, and, and it's, and you can go find it, you can go see it. Um, but that special is great. We'll, we'll put it in the, uh, the description of this episode and you'll enjoy the analytics of five views from, uh, from Northern <laughs> Ireland on that. You're welcome. Um, I'll take it. Yeah. I appreciate it. Joe, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Um, you did a fantastic podcast. And uh, yeah, cheers for taking the time. Yeah, thank you, Shane. I appreciate it. It was really fun. Thanks.